Zach. Hey, Steven. Welcome to Worrying Bugs. According to the Twitterverse, the best podcast for snuggling with your honey. This all happened over uh, private Twitter accounts, so you can't even find the reference. Sorry, listeners. But it's definitely a thing that happened. Uh, The the Twitterverse wholly agrees with this private interaction. (laughs) Okay. So this will be week two of our hidden treasures of uh, campus life. Yeah. So would you like to go first, Zach? Sure. Um, Last night I had this all planned out and how I was going to say it, and I just entirely blanked. But I have a a fact to present to you. On Friday nights, the UWM library closes at 7 p.m. Okay. I want to work on Friday nights, and there's really not that many places that you can go and trust that there's going to be a quiet environment besides the library. And it closes at 7 p.m. And it closes at 7 p.m. But additional fact, I think um, in in proof terminology, this is a lemma, perhaps. Arc students hate themselves. Uh, or apparently they do. Like, a- everything that I can gather from architecture students is that they hate themselves. <laughs> okay. One of my sweet mates is an architecture student, and uh, his sleep schedule right now, or pretty consistently through last year and this year, uh, in- involved many, many nights up till 2 4 a.m. every okay. week. Okay. Just that doesn't because necessarily of the- mean he hates himself. No, you're right. But okay, is there more evidence? Uh, not, not on that. Okay. I, that was just a, a a movement towards the fact that arc students are in the architecture building until two, maybe four a.m. Okay. Um, therefore, the architecture building is open at nine p.m. when I want to go work. Okay. So their big glass atrium that they have filled with tables is open and empty because most of the architecture students are up in what they call the barn um building their stuff which is where all the like wood tools are but the main common area is full of tables and chairs and totally empty that sounds nice. so if you ever need to study somewhere on campus on a friday night that is totally empty and even if it's not empty it's a really nice like it's very well lit um because it's basically an entirely glass wall (laughs) Yeah. And people are usually pretty quiet in there. So it's a good place to work. Um, An addendum, as I was writing that, the lights turned off at 10. Not all of them, but like the main lights all turned off. So it was a little dimmer, but it's still open if you get in before 10. All right. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) I was there till like one and the security guy never, he walked past me a couple times, but he never told me to leave. So yeah, I guess if he's not telling you to, it's... But yeah, I don't think he wants more people to come in at two in the morning. Yeah. All right. So try topping that with something that Madison has, Stephen. Well, Zach, <laughs> Madison has food trucks, lots of them. We do too. When there are specific events that call for food trucks to be in the area. Nope. Every day, <laughs> every day over on uh, East Campus Mall. And and State Street, kind of the kind of corner there. But um, yeah, they're just food trucks, and they're all really good. And I don't know of a single better place to get falafel than the falafel food truck. It's just really good, and they're fairly cheap. And yeah, if you're ever in Madison, go to the food trucks. 
All right. Will do. I'm I'm a fan of food trucks, actually, because there's a, a culture about them. There is, I think. for sure. I see the merchants interacting sometimes, and it's most of the time very friendly, but there are occasions where uh, some of the food truck owners do not get along. Food truck gang fights? Yeah, not quite that, but they <laughs> will, like, uh, exchange words or make uh, gestures. Ah. Uh, and I assume, I haven't seen this, but I assume they are in competition for customers and it's not always a clean fight. <laughs> But those food trucks, they need to keep records because uh, one of the things about food trucks is they're almost entirely cash only, so yeah. they don't have electronic transaction records. So Wait, your food trucks don't have Square? Some do, some don't. Okay. Uh, but a lot of them are cash only. So they need to keep those records for, the, for tax reasons, or maybe they don't, mm-hmm. but uh, either way, they're supposed to. And what better way to keep track of transactions than to just write them down on paper? uh like excel nah, um, no that takes too fresh long, books Zach. i think i think that's one of them but what about someone who uh i don't know okay uh i'm just trying to get into mechanical pencils okay <laughs> all right so uh assuming we're in a world where excel doesn't exist databases were just never invented <laughs> that's a great idea using pencil and paper yeah uh but mechanical pencils have been invented because you can't be writing with a piece of wood. That is barbaric and weird. That's, yeah. Who would do that ever? So, Zach, you have promised me, before the show started, you have promised me uh, strong thoughts about mechanical pencils. So I'd like to hear them. Okay. What, was there, like, what brought this up? What made you first start thinking about mechanical pencils? Well, I was taking a midterm and it was a Scantron and I was required to have a pencil, not a pen. Okay. And I realized that I did not own a pencil at all. Oh. <laughs> so I had to scavenge. I raided mm-hmm. my roommate's desk. Just get a little golf pencil and... Yeah, something like that. But, um... And then I was like, maybe I'll have a... I'll buy a mechanical pencil because, uh... It feels more like a pen, essentially. Yeah. And I yeah. like pens. So, um... I also really only use um my mechanical pencil for exams now because everything else i take notes on my computer but exams it's nice to be able to erase stuff if it's short answer and it's nice to be able to fill in scantrons oh, for and sure. not have like the machine blow up or whatever happens when you use pen on a scantron <laughs> one time i used hb the whole building started on fire it was <laughs> <laughs> hey ticonderoga or nothing <laughs> um so I use the Kurutoga, which is this weird, fancy, it's not all that fancy, but it's weird. Um, every time you push down on it, there's a little mechanism to spin the lead a little bit. So you don't end up with like a chisel tip at the end of it, oh, which cool. is nice. It's also really the only nicer mechanical pencil I've used that isn't just like a little piece of plastic with some lead in it. Mm-hmm. Um, my preference is the knurled one. I don't remember what the exact name of it is, but it's got a little crosshatch thing where your fingers go to hold it. Okay. Um, But right now I've got a blue design because someone in one of my classes stole the knurled one. Mm. Um, Yeah. Can't can't be... Actually, no. I I left it somewhere, and then a week later I saw him using it and never went up to him to tell him. 
Um, but I, I also do see <laughs> a lot of people um, around campus using uh, road rings, which is like the de facto mechanical pencil standard, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I've heard of that. And then um, the Pentel graph gear are the other ones. And I, I have some negative thoughts on the Pentel graph gear. I'm going to sh- send it to you. Okay. Or show you, or just look up the Pentel Graph Gear 1000. Okay, let me do that quick. We'll put this in the show notes. Oh yeah, I have a friend with one of these. So, I don't like the clip on it. I yeah, just no, have some good. fundamental opposition to clips that aren't a single piece. Yeah, a mechanical clip cannot work as well as a... It's bound to break. There's more things yeah. for it to break. Which is why I also, um, the Pen Addict really recommends the Pilot Juice over the Pilot G2. And I can't accept it because it's got the weird, annoying, springy mm-hmm. clip. Same yeah. concept. I think that is reasonable. So. What with lead do you use? And a follow-up question for that is, do you wish it was thinner or larger? I use 0.5. I actually do use HB. It's an HB lead. So maybe I should look into getting number two. I never looked at that. I My Scantrons have always come back fine, so. Perhaps they were lying to us and it actually doesn't matter. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I bet if you used like a six or whatever the one is that doesn't even make a mark on the paper unless you do it eight times it wouldn't work but oh well, yeah don't use a, a drawing pencil because that's what's going to happen but if it looks similar to a number two pencil like if you could lightly fill in the circle with a number two pencil and it looks the same as if you drew medium with a regular yeah uh, pressure yeah then i think you'll be fine um so this is a 0.5 HB is what I use in mine, and I think it it's just fine. All right. But also, I haven't tried with any other widths. I usually go for the smallest smallest width possible because I my handwriting is a mess, and anything I can do to increase clarity is a good <laughs> idea. See, I would agree with you on that, except that a thicker stroke makes your handwriting from afar look nicer but but actually makes it less clear to see does that make any sense yeah and when i want something to look really nice i can use a fountain pen or something but when i want something to be legible i use fine point yeah i think that's a good idea so my my ultimate recommendation is the kurutoga roulette which is that one with the knurled grip but i don't know it's up to you okay i'll do some more research and i'll Report back in two weeks. All right. The other option is just to continue stealing pencils from my roommate twice a year. You could get one of those, um, I don't remember the name of them, like the Baron Fig, that don't even have an eraser at the end. They just have the little metal point. <laughs> Wait, just, I'm confused. It, it's it's a wood pencil. Oh, it's just wood. But fancy. Fancy wood. The Archer, the Baron Fig Archer. All right, we'll put that in the show notes too. If a all wood pencil, sort of, except for the lead part, sounds appealing to you. Oh, I also, an important part of um, a pencil is using 
Well, it's not all wood. <laughs> it's <laughs> Stephen. No, there's there's definitely some lead in there. Nah. But it's surrounded by wood as opposed to mechanics. <laughs> A mechanical pencil doesn't write just with mechanics, Stephen. No, that'd be ridiculous, Zach. <laughs> anyway, an important part of using a pencil for exams is having a good eraser. And I use the, uh, God, I don't remember what it is now. Let me go get it. It's the Sakura something. The Sakura Arch? Listeners, we are like 15 minutes into the podcast now and Zach had had to reach for like seven things now. Well, because you keep asking me about my writing implements, I gotta... <laughs> it's, yeah, the Sakura Arch Foam Eraser. Okay, tell me why it's good. Why not just use a standard pink one? Uh, it, the, it doesn't crumple up into a bunch of tiny little eraser shavings. All the eraser shavings congeal into one, like, unit that you can brush off your desk. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's the part of it that I like. And also, it doesn't, like, get used up as fast, I don't think. Or I just haven't had as much to erase, but it's lasted a lot longer than my pink erasers usually did. Interesting. I don't think I've ever used entirely a pink eraser. I think I just lost it by the time it was even close to being used. I think a lot of times people would take mine and put it on the radiator and make little hash marks in it. I remember having one that had a lot of radiator hash marks in it. What? What are you talking about? People would take my eraser... And put it on the radiator and it would get really hot. And then like it's got the little slats. So if you put it on the radiator, it gets the slats burnt into it. You Brandon kids were weird. Yeah. I I, I didn't do that. That wasn't a thing that I did. Other people took my <laughs> eraser and did that to it. <laughs> All right. So that's my eraser recommendation. You made like... You're, you're going to be making a well-researched decision on this pencil when you buy it in two weeks or buy it before the next two. When you buy it. If I buy it. If you buy it. So uh, what else have you been trying to make informed decisions about purchasing? Uh, well, I wouldn't call it informed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What have you been blindly purchasing recently, Stephen? <laughs> No, it wasn't blind. Uh, I bought an Apple Watch as a birthday present to myself. Oh. I got a Series 3 without cellular in space gray and with the space gray sports band as well. And I'm really liking it. Um, The best feature by far is the notifications on your wrist. I would recommend it just for that. I feel like a caveman taking my phone out of my pocket now. (laughs) Uh... It can connect directly to the Bluetooth earbuds and can also act like a switcher so I can play audio from my watch and then push a button and have it switch over to audio from my phone, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. Um, The activity monitor is cool. Uh, It took me a while to figure it out. Uh, It has the rings, right? That's the whole Apple Watch thing. And um, but basically like. The innermost ring is the stand ring, which basically means you have moved in the pa- the past hour. Mm-hmm. So si- sitting at your desk does not count as moving, I've learned. Um, and that, um, so that fills up until you get to an hour, and at an hour it's full. Or no, it it's it's uh it it counts up by one every hour that you have moved. Okay, 
So from if I move a little bit from 12 to 1, then I get a twelfth of my ring because it, it wants you to move for 12 hours a day. All right. And then the next innermost ring is the exercise ring, which counts how much exercise you do, and it, but it counts it in time. So a, anything faster than a brisk walk counts as exercise, and mm-hmm. it wants you to do it for a half hour a day. Yeah. And that's, and that's heart rate based? Uh, heart rate and motion, I think. Okay. But you can also just push a button and say, I'm walking now. And it will say you're exercising, but to be automatic, it has to, it uses your heart rate and your motion. Mm-hmm. And then there's the move ring, which is the last ring, which is which, which says it's counting how many calories you're burning. Okay. And I think it does some calculations based on your height, weight, and heart rate, and general. Uh, it it estimates how many calories you're burning. Yeah. It it tries its best, and I think it's doing a pretty good job, but. I, I like the move ring the most because I just walking around my to my classes gets it almost all the way full. Mm-hmm. And I say almost because it requires me to do something extra that day. A, some other bit of exercise, a jog, a walk, yeah. or whatever, or a, one of those seven-minute workouts. Just go out and do something for yeah. another five ten minutes yeah just something to burn that extra 50 calories that i haven't quite gotten yeah so yeah it's kind of interesting uh, so you have you have seen it like actually change your uh, habits um i'm not gonna say it's changing my habits but it's trying to at least and that's kind of cool has it had an influence on what you do in a day yes it has okay we'll see if that is uh long term or not i've only yeah. had it for about a week now um it does not constantly track your heart rate, but it notices changes in your heart rate, I think. Uh, so okay. it's it won't give you a graph of your heart rate throughout the day, but it'll give you a a dot where it changed drastically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've discovered that my heart rate fluctuates a lot throughout the day. Uh, my resting beats per minute is usually around 45 to 50 beats per minute. Oh, wow. Which is, that's pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> But as soon as I start moving even a little bit, it jumps up to like 150. So like from sitting down to standing up, <laughs> it's like 100 beats per minute oh difference. Um, and just a little context, like a long sustained sprint for me is like 180 beats per minute. <laughs> so like just standing up is almost extra, is almost a sprint. <laughs> um and apparently I type with some vigor because my heart rate goes up and it tells me that I should be burning calories. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. It's supposed to learn as well uh, your habits mm. and more about you as it goes on. So we'll see if it adjusts to fit that. It's also gotten me to do some time tracking. Ooh, yeah. Because now I don't have to pull out my phone to push a button. Yeah. Now I can just, it's, I have a, it's even a complication on the watch face. I just mm-hmm. push a button and it says, you're in math now. Are you using Toggle for that? I'm using A-Tracker because Toggle you have to pay for. Okay. Um, A-Tracker you have to pay for too, but only if you track more than five things at a time. So I'm basically just doing uh, how much time I spend in each of my classes. Not just how much I spend in my classes, but how much time I spend working at, working the, at the classes, studying, doing homework, etc. Yeah. And yeah, it's I could probably pull some statistics now if I... So yeah, I've been doing that for about a week, and we'll see how that's going. When's another water tracker going to get uh, watch support? Ooh, 
It's a good idea because I I would use that a lot actually just for myself. Yeah. We'll see. That's that's a maybe. If if I were to make another app, it would definitely just be whatever I needed from that app. And as I got more things or like if I got two devices, then it would have cross device sync. But yeah, right. <laughs> uh, according to this, I spent the most time out of my classes on Latin, which is about a third of my time doing homework. Oh, because I'm the worst at it. So <laughs> I need the most time studying, the most time doing homework and such. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. I've been doing or I. I did a little survey for my school and they asked how much time you spend studying for classes, at classes, do, doing leisure activities, and yeah. I had no clue. Yeah, I did the same thing, actually. I uh, It was like, a, how you doing, freshman? Is thing, yeah. Are things okay? And I told them that it was and they were like, how much time are you spending studying? And I just pulled out my phone and checked. Yeah, I fudged the numbers and they did not add up to 24 times 7. <laughs> what are you doing with those extra hours, Zach? Hmm? I'm storing them away. I'm going to use them later. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? I have all my classes in my calendar as a repeat, as repeating events, so I can just look at my watch to see how much time I have to go get ice cream or something. I mean, study between classes. <laughs> did you um, not have that before you got the watch? Oh, yeah, but I had to take out my phone. Yeah? Trust me, it's more convenient. I believe you, but also, I guess I'm just comfortable with my barbaric ways. No. You're basically using stone tablets, Zach. Effectively, yeah. You're lugging just around this punk of metal when it could be Instantaneously updated, um, bright stone tablet. Yeah. <laughs> Who even wants one of those? I'm not going to say that my watch can replace my phone. It's not even close, but like, yeah. oh, uh, messages. There's basically two ways to type a message, and one is dictation with Siri, mm -hmm. and the other is what they call scribbling, which is uh, you just draw out the letter on your wrist, and yep. and you try to make a sentence like that. <laughs> it's uh, So you use dictation a lot? Yeah, I use dictation a lot. Um, and it's the scribble is actually the worst though, because, and not, but only for me, because I am a right-handed person, but I do most things. I write right-handed, I should say. I write right-handed, but I wear my watch on my right hand, which is the opposite of what you're supposed to do. But the, the OS will let you, like yeah. you can flip it around. Cause I do the same thing. I'm used to wearing watches on my right hand. And that was one of my hesitations yeah no well, apple watch will uh it just flips the screen upside down essentially i have many more hesitations but that at least quells one of them yeah um and the issue is that i'm trying to write letters with my left hand mm. which is just difficult because i've only ever written letters with my right hand yeah does the does the crown placement still work if it's left-handed mode uh it's the crown is at the the bottom side instead of the top side now, but it is not a big deal. Okay. There, there's no apps that require the crown to be on the top. All right. That I've used at least. Mm -hmm. Also, something I caught in there, you mentioned how great the Apple Watch works with AirPods. No, I said Bluetooth earbuds. Okay. Which... I have a pair of my the Trex Titanium. I think I've mentioned it before in the podcast, but 
Um, yeah. I'll put I, a link in the show notes. I, yeah. But yeah, it'll work with AirPods too. Yeah. Okay. You're smiling, but I don't know why. I there. I, there's not really a reason. <laughs> I can't trace it back directly. Hmm. Why are you keeping secrets, Zach? <laughs> I'm not. There are no secrets here. I'm bearing my soul to the podcast. That's not true, actually. So, I like the separation of me as a as a public figure doing my podcast for whole dozens of people and me as me but like i'm not there's no particular secret about this matter that i'm keeping i can edit it out if you want no i seriously don't <laughs> <laughs> like <a> legit <laughs> no, i'm kidding all right um he's right i am i am smiling but i have no clue why One of the issues with the Apple Watch, Zach, is that mm-hmm. it only works with iPhones. Yeah, that's so a problem. I can't quite recommend it to you because you have not gotten your iPhone yet. I haven't for a couple of reasons, actually. But what are the reasons you're thinking? What do you mean? What reasons well, yeah, do have... You, have you have you not gotten your iPhone yet? Yeah. I don't know. You're indecisive or something? Well, that's a part of it. Another part of it is I don't have the money to buy an iPhone right now. Oh, well, yeah, but you still haven't made the decision to buy an iPhone, even if you did have the money. You're right. So, listeners, uh, I guess now would be a good time to bring up the fact that we have a Patreon page. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. If If you would like to support Zach in buying his iPhone... And or uh, Pixel 2. Uh, can you make like a poll or something on Patreon? Probably. Or we can make it on Twitter or something. Okay, yeah. Uh, if you'd like to support Zach in either of those decisions, you can donate to us on Patreon. Or we have a Bitcoin address and a Zcash address. That's that's going to be the $2 Patreon reward is you can vote on which phone I get. <laughs> and Zach will probably keep to what the voters say yeah sure is could i take the probably out of there i yeah i am on the record right now going to do whatever the patreon poll says once i have the money okay unless you can submit your own answer then then it's then it's still just between the phones that we put on but if you can't submit your own answer entirely what the poll says okay sounds good yeah we're gonna end up giving zach a one of those old nokia phones that there yeah. was a meme about a while ago. I'm going to have the the Motorola the Droid, but like not any of the recent ones. It's Or no, the Razor. Ah, uh, yeah. That's the one, that yeah. One. <laughs> so I I really think right now my plan is to hold off on like even considering the two devices anymore until I actually have the money because it's not it's not important to worry about until I can make that decision and I'm not going I'm going to keep waffling back and forth until I do. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's a good idea. That being said, I did have some thoughts on the matter, <laughs> um, but they were beneficially limiting. I don't want a, another phone. I don't want like a LG V30. It's not a consideration because I want that stock experience um, and I want the like immediate over the air updates mm-hmm. because that's important. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's... Uh... I've said this a million times on the podcast, and I'm sure some of our listeners are sick of hearing it, but 
the best thing you can do for your the security of you, your phone, and the things that live on your phone is just update it as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm I'm still not sure if I want to get the plus size model or not of either phone that is yeah whichever whichever way i go all right well so those are those are some things floating around in my head but one thing i do want to clear up is i thought that it might be totally fine just to get the iphone 7 for 130 dollars less there's just slightly less storage space um doesn't have the like portrait mode thing and it doesn't have the fancy bionic chip in it uh, I'm pretty sure it does have portrait mode, actually. It has the two cameras, doesn't it? doesn't have portrait lighting. Oh, portrait lighting. Yeah, it doesn't work anyway. Don't worry about it. It works sometimes. I got to play with one. All right. I got to play with Josh's and it doesn't work. Huh. And we, whatever. I'm not going to make Maybe, it. Maybe like, they tuned I, it specifically for the lighting in the Apple store. Yeah, I would say that's probably accurate because we tried it in the den and it was like... It, it looked like someone tried to cut me out of a background with MS Paint. Oh, okay, yeah, that one that one doesn't work. But the 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 first three or four modes that don't try and crop you out of the background, those do work. Okay, okay. It was hilariously bad, actually. <laughs> That'll be in the show notes, listeners. I don't think we saved the photo. Dang. You just take new ones. Okay. I'll talk to Josh. <laughs> I, although I think Josh is home for the weekend, so Yeah, you've got till Wednesday morning. Alright. That's a, that might be in the show notes, listeners. <laughs> Um, but Steven said that the eighth was worth it, worth those $130. And I have no clue why I don't need an extra 32 gigs or fancy. Yes. That's, I'm going to go in Slack and reference exactly the conversation that happened. Oh no. Uh, Are you sure I wasn't being sarcastic? I said, can you explain yourself? And you said, I'm adding it to the agenda. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I can't. Um, so I said that the next question is, do I want to spend $130 more for 32 gigs, portrait lighting, and a glass back? And you said, yes, absolutely. No question. (laughs) I was playing with Josh's new phone so I can say yes. Yeah. Uh, but Josh's new phone, like you don't, I'm not sure. Did you pick up two, did you pick up the seven and the eight in your hand at both times at the same time? No, I didn't do that. Okay. That would be something to do because okay. I can't explain it, but the eight feels better. Okay, I'm gonna have them in a case though. Well, don't do that, Stephen. Okay, fine, fine, do it. Get your get your wimpy little iPhone seven. And here I sit with my iPhone six, not the six S, just the six. I mean, I mean, the thing is, I like if I I would not feel confident buying the Pixel because my phone is by google and two years old and it's already gone so i don't want a phone that only lasts me a year but i have friends who still use like the five pretty reliably yeah i do too actually and i think actually uh, my roommate has a 5s and it's working fine for him yeah 3gs less so that the keyboard stops working after a while but yeah just get a phone that was made out of metal and or glass and i think you'll be fine Plastic is generally bad. So so you think that you, you can no longer defend the 8 over 7 thing besides Not, just the feel of it? Yeah, the it is a... I'm, I'll say that it's, it's $130 of feel. 
it's also uh it's snappier which there's something to be said for that actually okay yeah because it's it's a more powerful phone and the os obviously is going to get more and more complicated as time goes on because that's just Mm -hmm. how operating systems work and i think that um when they stop supporting phones for an operating system that bionics chip is going to be the line in the sand yeah you're probably right the yeah it's going to be whether or not they can uh reliably authenticate you and without that bionics chip they may not be able to isn't the bionics chip just like inbuilt neural network hardware too essentially yeah so something to consider uh maybe that'll be an extra option on the poll Mm -hmm. the other option is for zach to wait until iphone 8 plus or s or something like that iphone 9 iphone 11 i guess guess the x will also have to be on the poll yeah but that listeners please be gentle because (laughs) (laughs) that is even more expensive than the iphone 8 and zach is trying to you need to do five dollars on patreon yeah there you go you want to vote for the x (laughs) (laughs) i don't think we actually have the ability to do any of this no it's it's just going to be a straw poll but Speaking of things that are, like... Really cool, yo. And some really cool tech. Uh, yeah? I, sure. There's definitely, there's definitely a better angle on this. Okay. Um, so one of, the, one of the differences between the 7 and the 8 is the image processing. That it uses different the different layers and the different types of image to converge it all and get a more full and more detailed picture. Okay. And another um, discovery, no, discovery is not because the another big advancement that uses that same method of combining a lot of different pictures in different angles and different spectrums is the recent LIGO discovery. Okay. <laughs> in other words, um, more gravity waves were detected. Yeah. Uh, so a while ago, some scientists... Uh, detected some gravity waves which was cool but there was some like disbelief i guess because they detected two black holes colliding and Mm -hmm. fun fact about black holes is they're black and they don't emit anything except for gravity yep um so there was not very much evidence that the event occurred at all except for these gravity waves okay but it happened again except this time it was two neutron stars colliding. And you know what's cool about neutron stars? They're real bright. They're real bright. They emit a ton of light and gamma rays, both of which we are really good at detecting. Awesome. So yeah, they collided like 130 million years ago, and the gravity waves are just hitting us now. Mm-hmm. And we were able to back up the detection of the gravity waves with just seeing... An explosion, essentially. It's a... Uh, I forget what they the call infrared it. infrared spectrum yeah, they, pictures from the Kepler... They called it a kilonova, is when two neutron stars collide. Huh. A, th- a thousand novas. Yeah, I'm not sure how that compares to a supernova. Yeah, but it's still really cool. Yeah, it's a cool term, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so... But apparently, gravity wave detectors have blind spots which is something I didn't know. Yeah, I, I also didn't know that. There's a video we are both referring to by Veritasium that'll be linked. Yep. 
But uh, yeah, they could really narrow down the search area from from where the gravity came came from because of mm-hmm. the. There's only a couple spots where the detectors have blind spots, so one detector detected it and one didn't. So they knew that they needed to look pretty much exactly where the other one couldn't see. Yeah, and they they also used like the gamma ray telescope, I think, to triangulate even more. Mm-hmm. And just kept narrowing the search field. Until it was until... a few, like, dozen grav- uh, galaxies that they were searching for. Yeah. And then they found it. And it was, I don't remember the name of the galaxy, but um, this is just really in- incredible because, I mean, obviously two neutron stars, they don't have as much, nearly as much gravity as black holes do. Mm-hmm. And we're getting so much better at detecting gravity waves. So what actually is the significance of gravity waves? Well, like, okay, whoop de doo we found some gravity waves and confirmed them with light. What's it mean? <laughs> um, well, to me, at least, I'm not sure, like, scientifically what people are excited about, but what I'm excited about is all the science fiction I know about. Not all of it, but a good portion of the science fiction stories I know about. Um, gravity waves are a form of communication. Huh. And they, essentially, they're used as a... Burst transmission over basically infinite uh, distances because nothing gets in the way of them, per se. Yeah. They just, there's, like, light, you can, it's light, it'll bounce around and it will get absorbed into things. But gravity waves, you can detect them and you can... I mean, we can't right now, but you could think of a mechanism to manipulate them. Yeah, and you could, like, send them to... China at the speed of light, say. Yeah. Because they do travel at the speed of light, which is kind of disappointing, actually. Yeah. I think also, like, the exciting thing about it in the science community that I've heard is that it is the most conclusive confirmation of the theory of relativity as well. I guess that makes sense, yeah. Something about it. But, Zach, we could have a gravity wave internet on Mars. That's also neat. Uh, Any more on gravity waves? That's all about all I got. No, it's neat. I don't yeah. understand it entirely. It happened, it, a, a big part of it happened at UWM. And maybe not this one, but the last one. It, it happened right here on campus. That's kind of how gravity waves work. They kind of go in all directions. <laughs> the discovery. Cool stuff. Can you meet the dude who did it? Uh, I could have. I think I missed two or three of the different events that he was at. Um I, I run AV at our school, and apparently um, they we ran an event for them, and they were complaining that the light was too bright. Somewhere in their talk, they were like, oh, man, I can't see any of you. The light's too bright. And we were sitting there like, oh, my God, that's the that's how, how it works. For your face to be lit at all, you can't really see the audience. Yeah, uh, that's true. So anyway, the article about it was titled... Um, event shines bright light on LIGO Discovery at UWM. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I'm implicated in the headline, at least. That's how you're going to go down in history, Zach. You're the guy who sh- shined a bright light in the g- in the face of the dude who discovered gravity waves. <laughs> Confirmed gravity waves. I don't think waves. it was the one dude. No, he, it was but only him. It was just him. He set up all the... I don't even know how the stupid lasers work. <laughs> Something to do with lasers. That's how they can see gravity waves. Yeah, that that's correct.
what what's adobe uh laughing face yeah so it might look like um an emo emoji but it's actually adobe experience design uh there's a new product out by adobe it's adobe xd uh, which stands for experience design no it Um, doesn't it's it's a good i i used it the other day i'm considering making my own version of just another water tracker because the water tracker i'm using right now has ads and i don't what does it do do that Hmm? what does experience design do it uh looks like a phone and you can just draw rectangles and circles and different shapes and build like if you click this button it'll go to this screen um there's a way to publish uh, experience designs online so I might be able to publish my like temporary experience and everything that's in that will be just it's just like Photoshop essentially. You just drag squares places. So is it and, for like storyboarding or is it like you can make an app like this? It's for like the first stages of designing an app. Okay. That's kinda cool. Yeah. And it's a lot easier than having to work out everything assume yourself because yeah. you can just copy paste like default the android top and bottom bars and that kind of thing i assume it's uh included in the adobe suite yeah creative cloud the this little simulation uh does it have a little wallpaper as well if you put one there it can what one would you put there um i would probably put the one that i use which is um from the Google wallpaper app, it's just a mountain at nighttime. It's I, I like the ones that are at night or the like nice dark geometric ones. Those are usually the phone wallpapers that I use because it, it just gets in the way the least. Okay. Um, but I realized that we've never really discussed what our phone layout looks like. Okay, yeah. Um, mine right now is a heavily photoshopped picture of the lake that i my parents own a cottage on Mm -hmm. and it's pretty yeah uh as far as the like app layout goes though um what i used to do and it's not what i do anymore but what i used to do is organize my apps by color okay so red would go to orange goes to yellow goes to green goes to Mm -hmm. blue and i liked that i liked that a lot actually because i would have an idea of what i wanted to find yeah and but i wouldn't think about the name of the thing i'm trying to find i would only think about the app icon so if i knew it was red then i would go to the red apps and i would click it um i've since stopped doing that only because i basically just got rid of all my apps And the remaining apps are just on two pages. It's apps I use frequently and apps I do not use frequently. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. yeah, it's nothing special. I don't have a fancy system. Yeah, I for Android, um, you can add widgets mm-hmm. to your home screen and then the app drawer is a separate thing. So my mine is mostly widgets, actually, um, just to things that I use a lot, like the water tracker widget or the Todoist ad tax task widget i've got a couple for playlists that i listen to a lot and then pocket casts just the play pause skip button and then on the next page i've got my calendar so it's just there on my home screen a little widget along with a couple other apps what 
what do you think of people who use their SO not as their lock screen? That makes sense, but as their home screen. Their significant other, that is? Yeah. As their home screen. Yeah, See, like the thing that yeah. apps are in front of. I don't like that because, well, I wouldn't do it only because uh, the apps are there. They're It's blocking the face. It's... Yeah. But I also don't really care that much, I guess. Yeah, no, I, ju- I just don't understand it. Yeah, no, I... I Lock screen makes sense. Um, you get to see their smiling face every time you open your phone. Mm-hmm. But then just to be covered up by apps doesn't really make any sense to me. That's why I have a landscape. Yeah. Uh, Apple sometimes gives you new default wallpapers when you update your phone. Okay. Do they actually, I'm not sure, do they overwrite the current one or is it just if you've already got the default, they add a new default? Uh, it's just another option, I think. They don't change okay. it for you. But they give you another option sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think for iOS 11, I'm going to look at it, actually. Can you still uh, use the raindrop one? The one that, that they ma- had in, like, iOS 1? Uh, no, it's not. De- you can use it, but you have to go find it. It's not in the default okay. ones anymore. Uh, they gave us um, a... Oh, gosh, actually, a few new ones. I didn't even look at them, actually. Because I'm so happy with my beautiful photo Blink. of my, like... Um, there's a picture of the Earth. There's a picture of the Moon. There's a picture of the Earth at night. There is some flowers with gradient backgrounds, mm-hmm. but the flowers are too perfect and they look like CGI-ish, which is kind of cool in their own way. A- Apple has been doing that a lot, actually, like their emojis too. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit too realistic, I think. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then like the old Apple logo colors but backgrounds oh yeah it's kind of cool actually i might experiment with that and then just a black one actually this is a default let's look at the new ios 11 wallpapers Ooh, i like the the aura the aura granite it looks like they're called i'll have to look at that hold on it's the wavy ones that are before the earth uh yeah those were in ios 10 they should be at least i i found them I thought I had one of these for a second. Maybe not. It's possible that I did not. They look pretty. And I bet a lot of them are for made for looking good on the new Edge to Edge X. Mm, That's probably correct. Because it looks a lot like the ones that they demonstrated the iPhone X with. Yeah. 10. Whatever. So I'm going to actually upload a picture of... I'm, I might upload the picture of my background to the show notes. All right. But I'm going to make sure that I do it on a private Wi-Fi network with no third parties involved. Do you know why, Zach? I do know why. Vaguely. <laughs> uh, because of crack with a K. Two K. That sounds dangerous. Got to keep that out of our neighborhoods. Okay, so basically it's a um, exploit in the WPA2 authentication protocol for Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I, I'm not sure how much you researched into this. I, a lot. Okay, that great, because I got to the part where they started doing cryptography proofs and I bailed. Okay, yeah, I think I can explain it pretty well. Okay. Uh, so basically nothing is safe. Don't go on p- public Wi-Fi's. Unless you have Windows, then you're fine. Or Mac, or just nope. not Linux. Yeah, Mac. They updated yeah, it. Yeah, Mac? I'm pretty sure. Okay. 
It, w- it was in the betas, I know, mm. but not on like the official release last I heard, which was a week ago. That's not fair. Windows got it first, got the update, and got the news of the exploit first. Yeah. Anyway. And Linux had it mostly solved. It was just um, Android that had a problem. Mm. Android had a big many, problem. Many problems, actually, actually yeah. all related to the same thing. <laughs> okay, so basically how this uh, exploit works. Yeah. Uh, normally, a WPA2 authentication goes something like this. Uh, the client, so your phone, a laptop, etc., um, sends a message like, Hey, I'm here. Want to connect? And the authenticator, so the router, the access point, etc., sends a message like... And, and these are encrypted with the password of the access point, right? Yes. It, these are uh, SIN, SIN packets. So basically what they do is say... Um, it's just, I'm here and this is my Mac address. Okay. Um, hold on. One note freaked out on me. Neat. It does that a lot. Uh, so it sends a message like random crap. Mm -hmm. And this is called a nonce. And with the nonce, the client can form a PTK token and it can send another nonce back to the authenticator. So all that's exchanged so far is two bits of entropy. Some random numbers. Um, Now, they do some fancy math, and now both the authenticator and the client had the same PTK token. Okay. Okay. And, yeah, I'm skipping over a bunch of steps, but it is just fancy math. It's it's a lot of math, and the basic idea of it is both of them now have numbers. Yeah. Uh, Now, they both have the same PTK token, but they haven't exchanged any information that would compromise the security of the connection. Uh, mm-hmm. And then next, the authenticator sends another nonce, and the process repeats so that you can do more fancy math with two PTK tokens. Okay. But sometimes things get screwed up, and sometimes the fourth nonce doesn't get sent because the packet was lost or something else weird happened. Yeah. So if this happens, the authenticator will send the third nonce again. It, it will reset. The nonce, right? That's the what I understood of it. So the authenticator in this case is the uh, router. Yes. So the router sends the third nonce to the client, and the client sends the fourth nonce back. But for some reason, that fourth nonce does not get to the authenticator. If that happens, the authenticator will resend the third nonce, and the client will resend the fourth the fourth nonce again. Yeah. And then everything's happy because they have a connection. So is it... Yeah, okay, I see. I understand. Okay. So this is where the problem is, though. If the client receives the third nonce again, it will zero the value and reinstall the key. Mm-hmm. What the attackers can do is use this to replay the packets and decrypt the connection. Okay. So you can use the information that happens when you scramble the fourth message, right? Yes. It's important to stop the fourth message. Yeah, that's basically what you're gonna. What they're gonna do is set up a man in the middle. So before your before your phone can connect to the router, it, your the man in the middle will be like, "Hey, no, wait, I'm the router," mm-hmm. and then forward all your traffic to the router, except for the fourth nonce. Okay, and when that happens, they can capture the resending of the traffic and yeah. because of that they can send their own nonce or something like that and i i 
thought it was just that you could reverse engineer the key better if the nonce got reset. That's, yeah, they can. That's what I was okay. saying. That's what I was trying to say badly. Sorry. Uh, I don't have a super great grasp on this myself, so. Yeah. Uh, um, it's not actually that big of a deal, is the kicker, though. Yeah. Um, so even if someone did this, if someone is now decrypting your traffic, and they can see everything you're sending between you and your router. They can also inject stuff. They can also inject stuff. If you're using an unencrypted connection, so... Anything over a VPN, uh, HTTPS, or TLS is safe. Yeah. So your Facebook is still going to be your Facebook, and your Facebook is still going to be what... No one's going to steal your Facebook password, probably, in this way. So long as every interaction you're doing is over some sort of secured protocol. Yeah. Uh, And even then, uh, like Zach said earlier, Windows already has a patch. Uh, Apple's coming out Mm -hmm. with one in a second. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the reason people are freaking out about this is that it exists at all because this is such a, this is basically a documentation error. Mm -hmm. This was just some guy wrote down the wrong thing when he was making the protocol. So what I read, it wasn't even that he wrote down the wrong thing. It was that they never specified what to do. Mm -hmm. There was no specification as to what should happen when, when, when you have to resend the third message. It resulted in some calls for the IEEE to be more open about the code. Mm-hmm. Because essentially what happens now is they say, hey, use this library to do Wi-Fi. Um, I don't... Not quite like that, but it's... No. It's... There's no actual code that the IEEE has. Yeah. Um, it's all just specifications on how to do a thing so that everyone can communicate properly. But it... it what I've heard is that it's very closed and the yep. it's not necessarily a good idea for it to be like that because of things like this. Little little errors that can result in actually some pretty big mistakes. Mm-hmm. And because it's not accessible very easily by security researchers, no one found it for 14 years now. Yeah. Um, another problem with this, you said that it's nothing to worry about. There is one thing to worry about that isn't just totally solved by patches uh old iot devices well they or any iot devices they would be solved by patches but the, no one patches them <laughs> yeah i'm gonna guess your wemo internet connected switch is just not i didn't bring it to college if but i would guess that if it was if if i had to guess whether or not this got patched it, it was not <laughs> but yeah um so security cams that's a problem mm-hmm I don't know why your security cam isn't using HTTPS, but it's not. It Yeah, it is not. Um, and also, just because this was such a massive protocol, every device that connects to the internet wirelessly uses the 802.11 um, specification, there's no good way to privately disclose the information yeah. to everyone who uses it. Right. Like if... If you find a bug in Apple's systems now, I think you can actually tell them without getting thrown in jail. Yes. For a while, that was a problem. There was a, but now you can yeah. tell them without getting thrown into jail. And they'll even give you uh, a reward. Yeah. And you can you can do that like privately and they can fix it. And then you can say how you found what the problem was and what the problem was. So other people doing similar things will know. But this one, you're letting the hackers know the same time you let. The companies know, besides, like, I think they probably told the main 
operating system manufacturers mm. ahead of time. But you can only do so much because there are a lot of people who make things. Yeah. The best you can do, I think, is to... I'm not sure if this was done or not, but tell the big tell the big people and then come up with a a fix for the specification, something easy that someone can just copy paste essentially mm-hmm. and then release it and say, hey, if you want to get on top of this, just copy paste this. Yeah, it's not copy paste because it's a specification, but that's the point. I guess just implement this thing and yeah. fix it. So you said that it would be all fine, though. Nobody really needs to get all that worked up about it because everything's HTTPS anyway, right? Well, uh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I love it when things are secured, even when one layer of the multi-layered system goes down. All right. So there's this thing called Roka. Oh, no. And here's what happened, Zach. Uh, Infineon is a company that sells chips that generate cryptographic keys my lays can't do that sorry go go on go on uh this is a good idea actually because uh if keys are generated in the hardware you can't have something spying on the kernel to break the encryption or um have a rogue piece of software that changes change some files or whatever it's Mm -hmm. just built into the hardware you can't change it unless you do a firmware patch which is super hard to do um I, this being said there are plenty of other ways to spy on your computer and and get the keys but not this way not in the generation of the keys mm-hmm. except infineon screwed up normally when you generate a set of asymmetric keys you can put one out in the open your public key and you can use this to encrypt messages but to decrypt them you need the private key yeah so this number can only lock things this number can only unlock things and you hold on to the one that can unlock things and you can put the thing that locks things out in the open yeah that's public private key yep Uh, i think i've got a grasp on that much okay and this is accomplished with some fancy math and but the base operation is multiplying two very large prime numbers together Mm -hmm. if these numbers were ever discovered someone could calculate your private key from your public key which is bad yeah so where infineon screwed up is that they didn't make sure that the public key isn't easy to factor and as you may know that factoring is how you get two numbers from a multiplied number yeah and if you can factor the public key then you can decrypt any of the messages encrypted with that public key yes yeah because then i know what all of the individual parts were and can redo the math to make the private key. Yes. So so what Infineon failed to do is do a small check to see whether or not the keys are easy to factor. And is that something like you can just do a mathematical proof to show that? Or Yeah, it takes actually like, it takes computer like five milliseconds. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So just by random chance, a lot of public keys that the chips generated are really easy to factor. And mm-hmm. I, I should say that when I say easy, it'll take hundreds of years for a desktop PC rather than trillions of years. Okay, so what's the problem? The problem is that I say that's for a desktop PC. Okay. And they, it's estimated that about $40,000 worth of computing can decrypt one of these keys. Which And if you're trying to like 
crack into a government, yeah, that's jump change. So the NSA, Google, they already have these this amount of computing. It's not even a question. Yeah. The issue is more scope. If this was a little company doing this kind of thing, then that's not so big of a problem. You might have to replace a security camera once in a while. But mm-hmm. everyone uses Infineon chips. Yeah. Except for Apple. I saw... Actually, because... I saw somewhere that, um, like, electronically signed government documents, like passports and uh, those kinds of things, used Infineon chips. I think I heard that, too. So, yeah, this isn't good. Um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. You can test if your public key is easy to factor. Um, And, again, the test takes actually no time at all. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, Windows has been updated, um, so you'll be fine there. But, again, old security cameras, um, any old products that are no longer being updated, they're no longer safe. So how do you patch that if it's built into the hardware? It's firmware still. Okay. It just is a separate chip that is... uh, It's separate from the OS, I guess. Not separate from the code, from all the code, I guess. Okay. So spooky, but just keep updating things and you should be fine. Yep, I think so. So my familiarity with authentication and that kind of thing comes mostly from web APIs using using different web tools. And I've been starting to look further behind the scenes in that uh, into like OAuth, that kind of thing, which are just protocols for connecting to a service online and having them know that it's you. That uses tokens and secrets generated mathematically, probably often by hardware. And I've been using this this API stuff for a service or a, a prototype of a service I'm trying to call INIEO, I-N-N-I-E, like an any belly button. Okay. Um, what, what do you think of the name? Okay, I, I, maybe explain again what this is. It's supposed to be. Okay, so the service, um, for me at least, I know that I add a lot of things to my to do list, but not all of them belong there. For example, I've got like groceries that I keep in to do list because there's no good way to distribute it from to do list somewhere else, or my to read list is all in to do list. Okay, but what I really want is. Something that will know, hey, books that he wants to read should go into Goodreads. And this is the grocery list app that he uses. And this is Todoist, which is just the catch-all for everything else. Okay. And you want to call it any.io? Any.io, because it's your, like, universal inbox. Okay. Everything goes into it and then gets distributed out to whichever service it needs to go to. Okay. It's not a terrible name. All right. I'm curious to see your logo designs. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a challenge, but that's that's a future Zach problem. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have any, like, is this just an idea right now? Or do you have any? Mostly an idea. I've been working mostly with um, just understanding how the Todoist and Goodreads APIs work so far to make some stuff for myself. Okay, so it's a, what I'm imagining is like a, if this, then that, but intelligent. Yeah. Yes. Or or not even, doesn't even have to be intelligent. You can just say, Sirens of Titan, hashtag book. Okay. So and it's I have TTT, but 
just one text box. Yeah. Okay. I like that actually. I think And and if if there is an ambiguity, it can get caught somewhere and you can just say, "Oh, actually I want the if you just said Sirens of Titan, it can look at the possibilities, say, "Okay, that's probably either a book or a movie." All right. So, you're going to take a class on artificial intelligence next semester? Yes, okay. actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. You'll have to well, let me how, know how that is. D- depend, depending on some things, um, hopefully by next podcast, I'll be able to confirm or deny. But Okay. So, that's a part of it, is finding out what different things a thing could be. But right now, even if I do know that the, the user wants to use, um, like, uh goodreads for their books and this sirens of titan thing they want to read is in goodreads it doesn't know which one they want because there's a problem with goodreads search hmm. what's that and I, I think it's it's more a problem with publishing but if you search um here i have if you search the girl with the dragon tattoo by stieg larson on goodreads search your first result is summary of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo by Stieg Larsson by someone else. Oh, I see. So uh, just... you can look at oh. like a sample output of the little program that I have right now in in Docs. Yeah, I'm and looking it, at it. It'll be up on Pastebin or something. Okay, so I, I'm a little confused on what I'm looking at. So this is um, the thing not indented is the title, just what I have in my Todoist notes. Okay. Uh, if there's parentheses after it, that's who recommended it to me. Okay. And you said, so if you, t- your idea is that if you type the non-indented thing into any.io, mm-hmm. it'll return this stuff? Well, no, it should return, okay, I just added Scott Pilgrim. Okay, yeah. The complete series. Based on. To your. Based on the, these results. Goodreads, based on what these are. Okay. But I can't even go off the first result, even if I have the whole name, because here, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield doesn't actually show up until I think the fifth, the fifth result that it gives me. Yeah, so you're going to need to make your own search thing for Goodreads, because Goodreads search sucks. So even if I get search working just fine, I have another problem, which is adding the books to the shelf because of the way that I'm interfacing with Goodreads. Goodreads does have a web API, which is just a way to interact with all of the stuff behind the scenes, but they don't have a Goodreads official Python API, which is what I've been using to build this. Okay. There are a couple unofficial ones. Um, There was one main API for Goodreads made by some dude um, that does not have any way to add a book to a shelf. It's just not implemented in there, even though it's totally available in the Goodreads web API. Hmm. That's strange. But there's no way to add that myself. It's on GitHub, but it's no longer maintained. Right. Can't you just take his code and start modifying it? I could, but I would like to share that with everyone else and not have the current like eight different fragments of that code that have come since he stopped maintaining it. Uh, that's what like forking is for right yeah it's all forking but it all takes up um namespace so there's a big package repository pypy for python and once you take up the namespace for that 
it's it's gone it's taken up oh i see so you want to just replace his with yours basically or any of them that are still being maintained right so i I guess i need to get further into the api and also get further into figuring out how api libraries work in python i think that's a good idea (laughs) but mostly i just want to complain about the fact that this guy left this unfinished yeah yeah, with unfinished with a good name yeah (laughs) so listeners we're going to move into the book club section of the podcast we're still reading baron in the trees by italiano calvano cal every time (laughs) about this book by italo calvino uh so if you want to catch up with us uh we'll meet you at the beginning of chapter 15 uh otherwise you can find us on iTunes to subscribe or really anywhere that can subscribe to podcasts, even an RSS reader, if that's how you do your podcasts. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at the puns guy. And I'm at not Stephen Barry. And we're going to talk about some book now. So I'm really enjoying the format of roughly one chapter of exposition here is some more information about the political climate and our family. And then here's three chapters about what Cosimo did. And then here's one chapter of our family and another three-ish chapters of what Cosimo did. Yeah. I think it's a good... It's kind of cool. It's uh, out of the ordinary is kind of... I don't know. I'm used to stories telling me things like the political climate through some other event. Just intertwined with the with whatever cosimo did yeah i suppose i i appreciate that they explain it because a lot of other ones would just yeah it, it would go over assume that you knew because yeah it is it's made to last this book which is kind of mm-hmm. cool and that might also be a translation thing too oh yeah that, that, you're probably right um to explain because i've been, i've had to go back and understand how marquises and nobility at the time worked Maybe you can explain it to me because I do not know. I just know that marquises are fairly high up, higher than uh, dukes, I think. And also the, the the cavalier avocado. Cavalier is some rank in knighthood. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Um, but yeah, it, it's a lot of weird. Like, I think at some point there needs to be some adaptation that takes this and moves it to the current political climate. Although... In modern day, it might be harder to, oh, yeah, he just went up in the trees and hung out in the trees because that's what, because there aren't like, as many trees. You could do like, um, uh, he he only, and never mind, that's Spider-Man. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so long story short, if you don't want to read this book, you can just go watch the Tom Holland Spider-Man. <laughs> also, why the frick does their dad have so many names? That's, yeah. Uh, it threw me off a few times, but eventually they mm. said father, and I had to go reread that paragraph because <laughs> I was not reading it as their father. Yeah. Uh, my first note is about the tax riots. Um, just basically, like, it, the paragraph goes something like, whenever these tax riots broke out, blah, 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 which implies that it happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it also doesn't seem like it's a... It's not a minor inconvenience. Like, this is a big deal if a tax riot breaks out. Yeah. My question is, 
if the if it happens so often, why not you know change something to make it less happen less often? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't. Know, I'm I'm gonna go back. That was the beginning of chapter seven, right? Yeah. Um, location eight hundred thirty-one. If you're curious, mine's on percentages. Um, oh, because they still want to be part of Genoa and not have to deal with the nobility stuff. I think so. They'd rather be taxed by Genoa than whatever other situation they were in before, but it's still not great. Maybe. I don't know. It was just kind of a passing note. I didn't have any actual thoughts about yeah. it. Yeah. Um. Uh, go ahead. My next is in chapter eight. Mine too. Okay. Uh, my next note is he hadn't seen his father since the lunch of snails. Uh huh. And he said it like that, the lunch of snails, which uh, at least in English implies that he has, the this event has grown in importance in his head at least, mm-hmm. instead of having, sna- since, since snails were for lunch, it's the lunch of snails. Like the noodle incident. Yes, something like that. So, something <laughs> that is important. Yeah. Even though, I mean, and then, he, then it says a little later in the paragraph something along the lines of um it's no longer about the snails yeah which is kind of contradictory which i don't know i'm not sure how to feel about it well the event doesn't have a better name than the lunch of snails that time he started going up in trees doesn't have (laughs) the same impact as the snail lunch yeah you're right but the he's right that the issue has grown past the snails or the lunch or anything to do with that mm-hmm. uh, i highlighted um he used the more formal you as he did with more serious reproaches basically he's using the formal you to say um he has a sense of detachment from his son yep which tells me he's about to negotiate with his son essentially like treating him with respect but not friendliness yeah and uh, again it's just another interesting aspect of italian that you can't even say you without uh, making it clear what your intentions. To it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the English language does allow for a lot of ambiguity. Does um does Latin have moods to the words? It does, but they're not in the same sense that Italian is. I think uh, mood is more like it's not like who you're addressing or anything. It's not the so far at least. I'm only in first semester. Mm-hmm. Um. But, like, I know in Spanish you can have a, I don't know what it is, like a desiring mood or a hypothetical mood. Yeah, and there are stuff like that. Like, there's um, at, at least three different versions of the word and for how much emphasis you want to put on the next thing in the list. So you can say okay. pickles and gravy or pickles and gravy. So an inbuilt Oxford comma. Not... No, because that's what? No. Yeah. Oxford comma doesn't add an emphasis. But it, it tells you whether the two things are joined or it, it solves the need for an Oxford comma, I suppose is what I mean. Okay, yeah, I suppose it um, does. It tells you whether the two things are joined as two or in a list of more. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But and there there's a few more examples of stuff like that. But um mm-hmm. Yeah, there are... but not at the the level that they have it in Italian. I don't think so, at least. Yeah, 
And I think that that, that moment when it switched and he realized like, oh, okay, we're going to be negotiating now was when the father accepted, I suppose, that Kazima was going to be in the trees now. Yeah, that's just how his son is now. Your face looks like you're constantly really annoyed at me. <laughs> Skype froze. Oh, whoops. I'm not really annoyed at you. Yeah, okay, Zach. I suppose he's... <laughs> <laughs> he's in the trees now. Uh, <laughs> fine. All right. And then I just had some more highlights about the uh, negotiation. I highlighted a gentleman, father, sir, is such in the trees as on the ground. Uh, and I like that because it's like... It's a semi-literal metaphor for upper and lower classes. Uh, a gentleman is still a gentleman regardless of their social standing, I guess. Okay. And um, the, and then the Baron says, a fine sentiment. Although a short while ago you were stealing plums from a tenant farmer. Mm-hmm. Which is another, again, semi-literal metaphor. Where's the metaphor in that? Uh, just If you combine it with the first... But okay. it was that, hey, we're, it's essentially like, don't think less of us because we have less money. Uh, we're still people too, mm-hmm. but you're stealing plums from the dude. Okay. And I, I, it's kind of a stretch, but it's, yeah. I'm, I was looking for metaphors while I was reading it. So that's what I found. Um, And at the end of the negotiation, Cosimo says, I don't intend to obey you, father, sir. I'm sorry about that. Which yeah. is just an interesting translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows... Rather than just saying no, he says, I do not intend to obey you. Yeah. And and I apologize, yeah. but this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. So there's still... Even though he is... He has enough distaste for his father to live in the trees forever, he is still treating him with respect and giving him an apology. Mm-hmm. His father says something like, you, you're you acting like the savages of America. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, that's an interesting thing to say. I... <laughs> and no, I, I mean, it's the time period, but... Yeah. It just, it just caught my eye. Uh-huh, for sure. And then the father made that epic, dramatic exit. exit. Um, like, he, he swooped his cape and turned his horse around. <laughs> it was a whole thing. Yeah. And then he shouted at his son... God is the one who can pee on all of us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I think is one of my favorite lines so far. Good stuff. I'm going to write that down on the community whiteboard on my floor. God is the one who can pee on all of us. <laughs> uh, next is chapter nine for me. Okay. Well, then they uh, it started raining. God started peeing on all of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I suppose. And it... Uh, did you not get that that's what the... Actually, no, I didn't get that. Okay, yeah, he was saying that, look at the clouds. Gotcha. The, it doesn't matter how high up you are, how far you can pee. God can There's pee still one us. above yeah, us who can sure. pee on all of us. Um, so then it started raining, and um, Biagio came out with like his umbrella and some warm blankets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first time that he was let up like to go from tree to tree it would seem so yeah he was not allowed to see the hideaway until then yeah uh, and the, the hideaway was like the ultimate in traveling minimalism tiny house <laughs> yeah i suppose 
It's up in the trees. Like, how much more in tune with nature can you get, man? No, the ground is nature too. Yeah, but like not houses. Those are so corporate, man. You can sleep on the grass. No one's stopping you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure someone would stop me if I started sleeping on the grass outside of Sandberg. Good point. No, no, no. I'm a student here. <laughs> <laughs> I even live in housing. This is just actually one of my friends lived out. Um, he like had his room in housing, but he also last spring built this little hut on the side of the river. <laughs> <laughs> out of sticks and a tarp oh my gosh that's hilarious and lived out there Casimo started asking questions about fertilizing and seeds uh something it it never had occurred to him to do when he was walking on the ground mm-hmm. which again is a uh it's one another semi-literal meta- metaphors which is essentially like when Casimo had resources and was and didn't need to know how to farm things mm-hmm. he still doesn't need to know how to farm things but now he's taking an interest just because he's not he he no longer sees these people as le- less important yeah yeah and now they're the things they're doing is actually actually seem interesting so you are you gonna try and make the argument that this whole the tree thing is a thinly veiled class metaphor yes is that the steven thesis for this book so far yeah we'll see how the ending I, th- goes. I think i'm gonna more follow the like growing up becoming an individual train of thought okay that a lot of like it is kind of the father who like just came to see him he was like oh man i should go wander around in the air this is a little later on i suppose but his father starts wandering around in the tree area like hey i'm gonna find you (laughs) Uh, but but even in chapter nine his his son is off doing his own thing and he's so embarrassed of this thing that his son is doing Mm-hmm. on his own now that he has gained independence yeah but to that i would ask what is the why what is asking questions about fertilizing is a metaphor for i think it can be both no. books can hold no. multiple no. metaphors i must be right <laughs> that's more important than actual fact and then and then time skipped a little bit it went from it'd been a few days in the last chapter to four months yeah He's been in the trees this a long one? time. Um, and then his, the father's, the count, I think, the father's friend came over mm-hmm. and, and he was looking and he was like, oh man, he's having so much fun up there. And um, yeah. the note that I wrote along with that is, <laughs> is this the new meme the youths are doing? Trees now? They're going up in trees? <laughs> uh, yeah. A little bit before that, the count asks where Cosimo is and the father says uh he's out hunting yeah and i highlighted it and made a note which is uh, this is technically correct the best kind of correct (laughs) yeah so yeah um yeah it's just i mean it's interesting that the count got so much enjoyment just out of seeing cosimo jump around in the trees Mm mm-hmm do you think that the enjoyment he got from seeing Cosimo was the primary factor in their sister getting engaged? I cannot say. Okay. I'm going to come down a hard yes. It was all because of Cosimo that she's engaged. Okay. Entirely. Not because of... N- Political pressures? No. No, okay. Not because they liked each other? Nothing. Well, definitely not it's that just, one. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
at some point i keep forgetting the narrator's name uh, biagio biagio uh at some point biagio uh joins the conversation with the count and his father mm-hmm. and when he's about to say that casimo lives in the trees uh his father cuts him off and says who invited you into the conversation mm-hmm. when actually two lines before that the count invited him into the conversation <laughs> okay i didn't catch that actually yeah you should go look at it because it's like here uh and what does such a little fellow know about it said the count oh, okay yeah and he's asking what the little fellow knows about it <laughs> so how many trees can you identify steven very few okay i could probably identify an oak tree uh yeah that being said it should it would be easier if it was full grown i can yeah. identify a maple tree if i can get the leaves yep but in fall it's very hard to distinguish between any tree for me i can usually get a birch yep birches are easy because they have their <laughs> white um pine trees but no 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 subcategories beyond pine you count the needles needles in a bunch i'm not gonna do that match up with the number of letters in the name usually what really like a a white pine will have five needles in the bunch interesting or a red pine will have three needles in the bunch i'll remember that except i don't know the names of the pines so that's not entirely helpful i i don't know if it applies to all pines but those two at least okay um there if i can identify the nut then i can identify the tree that the nut came from yeah so a walnut if it falls from a tree it is almost entirely (laughs) a walnut nut tree (laughs) almost definitely a walnut tree i'm just gonna go around trees near you near madison and just place walnuts (laughs) in like cherry trees (laughs) please do it would like bags of trader joe's walnuts (laughs) and just (laughs) not open the bag or anything yeah biagio said something about the cold and how it's not the same as the one we have now yeah he's telling it in the from way back man yeah yeah uh but the does not compare to the cold we have now which napoleon is said to have dislodged from russia to follow him here Mm -hmm. have you heard that before no like i i know the story of napoleon and russia but i didn't know that it got colder in europe after yeah me either it seems interesting is all yeah Uh, it was just a uh, there's a joke that I want to make, and it's just something along. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it it's um, who basically whose bright idea was it to invade Russia in the winter? Like there, yeah. there's been several instances of people trying to invade Russia in the win- winter and failing. Okay, but actually, an idea. Okay, so we've got global warming, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> everything around the world is getting warmer. If you but say Napoleon so. has proven. God damn it, Stephen. <laughs> Napoleon has proven through experimentation that if you invade Russia in the winter and go back, like if you invade Russia and retreat, your region will get colder. Okay. So So we just need everyone to invade Russia, including the the people in the Arctic Circle bases. Yes. I would love to see that. But that's not how war happens anymore, Zach. <laughs> so, actually... It doesn't matter. We've got to go back to it. All we need to do... It, well, it depends on what you count as an invasion. Ah. Because if cyber warfare counts, then all we need to do is hack a few Russian servers. 
and yeah. it'll get colder. What if what if you invade Russia's privacy in the winter? Oh yeah, just set up CCTV cameras all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> or use the crack exploit to look at their own security cameras. Yeah, uh, Russian dash cams are a thing. I'm pretty sure because Russian insurance companies almost require them. I don't think dash cams are connected to Wi-Fi though. Not yet, but they will be. Yeah, yeah. So that's all we gotta do. <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure where this was in, but there are. He was talking about like the frogs and the cicadas and the different nature sounds of summer, and I realized that I haven't noticed those in Milwaukee as much, but I also haven't noticed their absence. And I was wondering if you had any. Uh, well, I just recently I visited my cousins um, in Illinois. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. It's not near Chicago, but it's kind of near Chicago. Chicago land area. Chicago land area, maybe extended Chicago land area. I don't actually know, but um, the suburbs of the Chicago land area, <laughs> perhaps. Um, <laughs> but they have cicadas, and they're so loud. Yeah, and they don't even notice them. And we're like, "How do you guys deal with these cicadas?" And they're like, "There are cicadas. What?" We have cicadas in Wisconsin, Steve. I know, but I, but for whatever reason, when I went there, when I visited my cousins, I noticed them. They're different cicadas or something. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. But no, I haven't noticed any cicadas in Madison. I've noticed fire engines and that's about it. (laughs) Fire engines make the most noise in Madison. The emergency service sounds of summer. (laughs) Um, He did laundry. Yeah. He he engineered a whole water system. Yeah, so you don't need to worry about him getting his uh his clothes dirty, his bearing clothes dirty. Oh yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I, I I didn't really think about that. I thought it was solved once he made his own stuff. Well, yeah, but he still. Well, later we find out that he still goes to church and stuff. Eh, Le- less often now, but well, yeah, but still, he dresses up for it. Also, just like the whole. I feel like the author was writing this whole story, and then he was like, oh, man, actually, how's this going to work? <laughs> so then he threw in, like, one chapter of Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah, that's hilarious. Or Robinson Caruso, I think is. And so that was the whole thing. He, he was like, okay, and here, let's DSX in a dog and DSX in his laundry. And mm-hmm. uh, Speaking of the dog, uh, did you translate its name? No. It's Very Good Maximum. The Very Good Best Boy sure zach very good dog it's yeah it's literally just very good dog (laughs) and the dog actually is a lot like cosimo in what way uh it it said it joined a pack of bloodhounds out of youthful enthusiasm okay yeah Uh, and then they were talking about beekeeping have you ever seen a swarm of bees no actually like they were talking about that pine cone no um we should have a picture in the show notes because it's actually really crazy to see. But there are, it's just this giant clump of bees attached to a tree. Interesting. Um, I used to have bees on my property. And one time just a hive went out and they swarmed. And you really just do need to capture the queen of that. And then you've got the whole swarm of bees. How do you go about capturing the queen? I don't know. I'm not a beekeeper. Okay. That seems like it'd be tough. I mean, they just shook them loose in in the story, but... Yeah, I suppose. Never mind. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, but I, I think it's something you should look up. Okay. Because it's freaky to see. We'll see. We'll put a picture in the show notes. Yeah. And then there was this like really thin, ooh, look, the, the avocado was a warning to Casimo about what happens when you separate yourself from people. Ooh. <laughs> That's my impression of the author. Well, sounds about right. <laughs> Just say that in Italian. I'm good. <laughs> the bandit, he was listing off the languages that he spe- spoke and a little of Catalan. Mm-hmm. And then he said something in Catalan, which Kindle, Kindle Translate couldn't figure out. Bon dia. Can I take a look at it? Sure. Because isn't Catalan a lot like Spanish? I assume it's a rom- romance language. It's in italic, so it should be easy to find. Page 1355. Or... Bon dia, bonit. Star al Translation. Unknown change that to yeah this does not have a catalan try spanish then yeah uh good day good night oh good day that makes sense actually it see molt and uproar so it doesn't know what molt means but it's good day good night yeah maybe i'm not gonna pretend to be an expert in languages sorry listeners and then all all of that absurdity with the (laughs) the robber just Seems crazy, but also fit very well with the book. What In what way is it crazy, I suppose? I mean, besides the obvious. Just like, hey, this young boy got involved with this robber, and then the robber went soft because he liked books, and then he forgot how to rob, and then <laughs> he got put in jail, but the boy still cared. Yeah, that seems reasonable to me. As this weird, like self-contained little chapter, it was it was fun. It was a uh, yeah, it was a good ride. Yeah. Um, but because of that, Cosimo becomes a a reader more and more and more. Um, and he wants to learn from the Abbey, and then the Abbey ends up taken away. Their tutor, something like that. Yeah, because he had two anti-Jesus e of books. That's kind. That's pretty much how I think it went. Okay. Yeah, it was a little bit confusing there. Again, a, like political, religious climate thing. Yeah, that we're supposed to know. Yeah. Um, and so then instead he just starts sending things to the greatest minds of the time, which I don't know about you, but I have some hesitations about even like sending a message to somebody with a thousand Twitter followers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like just that they have other things to do with their time so i don't know how he sent like that'd be like sending or trying to have full-on correspondences with neil degrasse tyson or something it's more effort for Mm -hmm. you to send something to neil degrasse tyson now and instead of a tweet it's a letter yeah and so people can't just be constantly spamming neil degrasse tyson with letters because that's too much work okay so in general at least the people who are going to be writing to Neil deGrasse Tyson are not going to be asking, hey, I forgot the gravity constant for Mars. Can you help me out? I don't I don't know. It's it would be something like that, though, like little things that Neil deGrasse Tyson actually does not have time for. Yeah. But but if Neil deGrasse Tyson only got real good questions, I think he might answer more. Mm-hmm. 
So you're saying that I should start sending actual handwritten letters to Neil deGrasse Tyson? I'm not saying that because what the difference is now is that he actually does have access to all these things, Twitter and such, and people have access to him. Okay. And so regardless if you sent a letter or not, he's not going to have time for your letter because he has Twitter. Not only Twitter, but you get what I'm saying. Exclusively Twitter. He's jacked in. Have you ever, like, corresponded with someone with a bunch of Twitter followers or who wrote a book that you liked or... Um, let me think. I'm generally not a celebrity kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it would be cool to meet someone I follow the work of, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to reach out, I guess, most of the time. Yeah. So if I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson on the street, I'd be like, hey, yo, can I get a picture? And he'd be like, I don't have time for that. I have Twitter. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sure he'd be very nice. But um, but I'm not going to like, if I knew that Neil deGrasse Tyson was signing autographs at this specific time, at this specific place that is out of my way, I would, I would say, if I had to wait in line for it, I'd be like, eh, whatever. Well, I think signing autographs isn't quite what I'm talking about. I'm talking about actually sending something, saying something, having a conversation. Like recently, I it's the smallest thing. It's really dumb. But I sent a YouTuber who used to make a lot of different like computer science physics-y videos. I just sent him and said, hey, thanks for all that. It helped with my first two semesters of computer science. And he was like, no problem, dude. He was, I'm assuming, very, kind of weirded out by it, but... No, I, I think that was a nice thing for you to do. I, like, that, he probably appreciates, like, knowing that what he's doing is helping people. Yeah, it, it feels weird that I had such a thought about it, that, of holding it up mm. as a big thing. Yeah, maybe. I, I can't think of any examples of celebrity meetups. Mm-hmm. Or conversations at all. Yeah. Do you have any of the, like, celebrity computer science educators right now? Um, I don't think so, considering <laughs> it's... But I, I did get to see a guy on the street that I recognized from Numberphile. That was cool. Oh, wow, yeah. That is cool. I mean, he's just a professor at UW-Madison, but, like, he was a Numberphile, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> Should go up to him and be like, hey, man, I really like your work with numbers. <laughs> with Brady Heron. You made YouTube videos once. Yeah. Once or twice. Yeah, he's he's not one of the regulars. He's one of the uh, once in a while kind mm-hmm. of guys. Yeah. So then more on chapter 13. Sure. And then chapter 14, there was that arson. Yes, there was. And then they said they said another thing like, oh, this is the... This is the moral that Cosimo got from this precise event. I don't even remember what it was, but... He started a fire grid. Yeah, and he got the moral of like, wow, people are great when they work together. Sometimes being the leader is hard when you're the leader and you don't all have a common enemy. But when you do have a common enemy, it's good to lead. I think it was verbatim, something like that in... (laughs) And then he got done with that, and he had that discussion with his father, which is, I think, the bit of, like, oh, look at this, it is growing up. His father is like, hey, maybe I need an excuse to go contact him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it highlights this, I think, 
probably a generational divide between them, that his father is saying, oh, but look, you could have all these vassals. And his son says, I don't want vassals. I just want to have ideas. And if I spread those ideas, I've, I've had more influence on the people around me than I ever could with vassals. That's a good point. And also, there had been a whole six years in those chapters that we just read. Yeah, that's... Wow. He made it work. He didn't come down from the trees yet. Yeah. So what do you think? In the next quarter of the book, is he going to come down from the trees? No. I, I don't think so, no. Um, if he does, it's going to be like... It's going to be small, and he's going to be distraught by it. Okay. If he comes down, it's going to be like a branch broke... And he fell to the ground, and then he quickly scrambled back up onto the tree, mm-hmm. and then he's going to have an existential crisis about it. All right. So place your bets now, folks. And Is Stephen right about a branch breaking? <laughs> well, I think if if he falls, <laughs> I, I'm not saying he's going to fall. I don't think he is going to fall. But if we're going with your metaphor there, then that would be something along the lines of graduating college and going to live back at home. Yeah like for a couple months or like you, get you on need to rent you, you need to you can't pay your rent this week this month yeah and you need your parents to help you yeah um what was my metaphor again i can't, i forgot already uh your grand metaphor was oh higher and lower classes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that'd be uh, he uh, he 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 found gold and gave it back i don't know okay Where he, like, went to a really fancy party and was weirded out by it. Yeah. Yeah. And then realized that he loves the lower class more. Yeah. Well, no, I think think it'd be more like a Stockholm Syndrome on the lower class. Because he wants to be up in the trees right now. The trees are safety to him. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So sometimes it's a class metaphor and sometimes it's about growing up. Fine. Um, I'm thinking next chapter we read to is the beginning of 22. Sounds good to me. I didn't, right. I'm just going to trust you on that one. It's a, it's about the same amount. Okay. And until then, uh, make sure to reach out and contact us. Tell me if any IO is a great or awful name or, uh, I don't know. What else did we talk about? Uh, tell us if we've had a significant impact on your life. Yeah. That'd be good. Um, if you... If you found gravitational waves, tweet at us and let us know. And uh, maybe, if you're the guy from UWM and you want to like get on the podcast, or and I've I've got a mic right here, and maybe we'll even have the guts to contact you back about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can do all of that on Twitter. I'm at the puns guy, and I am at not Stephen Barry. We also have a Patreon. Um, that will be in the show notes. Or you can and search for Worrying Bugs on Patreon. Yeah. Would you like me to read our Bitcoin address out loud? <laughs> Just this once, yeah. Okay. Hold on, I gotta find it first. Okay. Our Bitcoin address is 3 capital B, lowercase j, 5, 4, lowercase a, 8, n, g, e, d, capital X, capital Z, capital X, 4, capital S, capital H, 4 G 4 D Z capital X 4 capital B O capital R 8 P capital F 4 capital X F T Hope you wrote that down. 
the, we have a Zcash too. Do you want me to read that? <laughs> no, okay. no, I think they should just intuit the Zcash one. Yeah, you can drive it by factoring. Mm-hmm. It's not true. We do. We didn't didn't run the algorithm right. Yeah, it's a whole problem. <laughs> we'll fix that. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see you in two weeks with a uh, a less derivable Zcash al- uh, Zcash address. <laughs> Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.